That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, oh god, it's a toad. It's, huh? it's a fucking toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day. Oh, whoa, what is going on, folks? Uh, <laughs> What's up? Uh, <laughs> this is the uh, final live episode for 2023. Also, the first episode of 2024. So we're doing something very similar as we did a few weeks ago. Uh, we had some questions, so we figured we'd come here and talk, and we'll publish this as a actual podcast episode on all the podcast apps uh, next uh, next Thursday, which will be the first one of 2024. I know, right. I know, 2023 was a we started this podcast. It was a big year for us. We we I think we continue to improve a lot. We met a lot of great guests. And hopefully 2024, we'd be even bigger and better for us. That's right. And speaking of 2024, we couldn't do it without all of our partners, especially uh, OneCast Fishing. So if you guys are looking to get into the Snagasaur Revolution, head on over to OneCastFishing.com. Use the code THEONECAST. You're going to save some change and uh, get all those things that you need next year that you probably didn't do this year to stuff those stockings with, like those snagless jigs, those weedless net heads, all the soft plastics. There's apparel on there. Um, our podcast apparel is on there. So go check that out. Support our partners who support the show. Um, also Carolina waters, right, Pete? So you want to, you want to throw some love to Carolina waters from your, uh, from your area? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about them again. I'm sure later, but, uh, Carolina waters, uh, performance fishing gear, uh, and, and just general activity where, uh, they got a bunch of new stuff coming. Hoodies should be on the website here pretty soon that, that came in, uh, wearing one of their hats now. Uh, but they're they're a you know huge partner to us, a, a great company to work with. They make really good stuff. Uh, you can head to CarolinaWatersNC.com, use the code the one cast, all one word, uh, save twenty percent off uh, your order. Make sure you head over and check them out. Uh, support a small business, and it doesn't matter if you're in the Carolinas or not. Uh, their gear is uh, is is uh, good. It can be worn anywhere. Just because it says Carolina it doesn't mean you have to be in Carolina, but. Yeah, but it's nice being a Carolina boy, too. You know what I mean? So we yeah. definitely appreciate those guys. And also uh, something exciting and, and a new announcement for 2024, but it's 2023 right now. We got a new partner that's joining us, and that's Eric Schwinn from Mossy Oak Properties. If you guys are looking to own your own piece of paradise, a little slice of land or a large piece of land, uh, you want to check out Eric Schwinn at Mossy Oak Properties. You can contact Eric at 936-494-9686 or email him at eschwind at mossyoakproperties.com. Eric is a broker in the in the area looking to help uh, guys and gals that are looking to get into the countryside. I know it's a huge deal right now. A lot of our land is being soaked up, but a lot of these people that are buying land are, are purchasing it to preserve it, uh, to, keep, uh, to keep these farms and everything like that. So if you guys are interested in owning your little slice, head on over, see Eric at Mossy Oak Properties. And uh, I'll we'll link all his stuff below. So we're super excited to have him on board, and we appreciate the support from him. So well, I, I hope um, everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Obviously, we're heading into New Year here. You can see Pete's not with us in the studio. That's because he's yeah. visiting family. Um, I had a 15-hour drive yesterday back from visiting family, uh, so a little tired still. Had a long day, but uh, glad to be back in here. Uh, one more announcement I, before we get into what we want to talk about tonight. Show season's coming up. Fishing mm. Expo season's coming up. So I know we have a, a lot of fans here locally. In fact, I see some comments up here. We can see Rick. Um, I don't know which Facebook that user that is. That's what it comes up as. Uh, we got Zach and uh, Steven on here. So, that was uh, Mike Johns. 
Oh, that was it. Oh, don't worry. We're going to talk about Mike Johns. Yeah, yeah, we won. <laughs> yeah, we're the champions of the house. But keep uh, going. We'll get into that. But uh, show season is coming up. So the Raleigh Fishing Expos for for all those in North Carolina or even you know Southern Virginia. That is Martin Luther King weekend. That's the the weekend of the twelfth. Obviously, I'll be there with the tackle side. I know Pete and Trey will be up there at some point. Uh, I know they'll be at Carolina Waters as well. So uh, come by, say hello, say hello to the one cast. The following weekend, which is the weekend of the 19th and 20th, that's Richmond. Uh, I'll be up there. Not sure if Pete's going to make it up there or not, but hopefully he can. And, you know, for those Virginia boys and girls and anglers, come, come say hello. And then the following Thursday through Sunday. So I, I don't remember the dates off the top of my head. So whatever that next weekend is, yeah. uh, 26, 27, 28, something like that. That is the East Tennessee Expo. That's in Knoxville. So, um, unfortunately, I think Trey and Pete have to work all most of those days. So, not going to try to make them drive over six hours. But I will be there. So come say hello. Come pick up your all your one cast gear and then also some uh, the, the the podcast merch. So. That's right. And show season is a great opportunity to network, especially those looking to get into fishing industry. There's no better way than to go around meet vendors and 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 distributors and anglers and so on and so forth so it's a great opportunity to go i don't know get good fishing tackle but at the same time network um and that's what it's all about what's up stephanie stephanie and her husband steven are on um what's zach said he's going to be in raleigh in east tennessee so we will see you there all right so <laughs> so we had a bunch of comments right we uh pete's doing a good job at like you know, posting uh, questions and stuff for the shows, especially, you know, during the quote unquote off season, there's not a whole lot of fishing to talk about. Of course we don't do all like tournament recap stuff, but we still want to talk fishing. We want to talk the outdoors. Um, so he, he did a post and uh, asked, you know, the audience some questions. The first one I'm going to address right now. And I think Mike is, is on with us or maybe he dropped off. I'm not sure, but Mike John says, how did Mike and Ben, right here ben, beat trey and pete on lake norman uh i mean you know there's a lot of grace that was given to mike um well so so we had to make sure like we were good hosts and we made him feel comfortable but the reality is is at the end of the day he found better quality fish they found better quality fish and they were fishing for fish that weren't nearly as pressured and they were fishing for i mean uh fish that i don't i don't think anybody else was up there fishing yeah. for him you know yeah so um well i think there was maybe one or two in the tournament so yeah you know my, mike's from down in florida he came up um and then i met him over on, on lake norman so we just practiced thursday and obviously the tournament was friday and neither one of us had ever been on lake norman so we're like what are we going to do here it's a spotted lake we're just going to run up the river try to find largemouth and hopefully run into five good ones yep. and so uh, that's what we did he found a little pattern he caught most of the fish in the front of the boat but each day i caught the big ones so that's what matters that's right <laughs> i think that's a trend with mike right like so mike can catch a lot of fish and i love mike to death and and i fished down in toho with him but you know mike when it comes to catching big fish you're just not the guy you might catch the numbers but you're just <laughs> not the guy. all right so that's why you came up here and ben caught yeah. your big fish and i came down there and i caught the big fish no just kidding hey that's what it's all about like the camaraderie the cohesion um you know getting up to these getting up and down to these charity tournaments they're great opportunities like we've talked about in the past there are no pressure situations with a high payoff, which means that money is going towards a great cause. So it was a great time. The weather was uh, 
was challenging. I mean, it was it, windy it, and so but you was, guys were protected though. Well, yeah. So it was um the actual tournament day, it was it was temperature dropped, it rained. Mm -hmm. Uh it was kind of miserable out there for the for for the anglers. Uh Mike just put a comment on talking about the hot dock. So practice day, we had we we went to a dock and he caught like two or three off of them. And then we went there first thing tournament morning, didn't get a bite. And so we spent all day up the river, scrounged up four actually i believe mm -hmm. and uh we were like man we didn't even get a limit we we sure we would have one up here based upon all the fish we caught the day before um so we decided to run back and we, we stopped we had okay we're about 10 minutes early so we stopped at the hot dock and uh hot he, dock. he pulled one off right there and that that was the limit for the boat so and within the last and it was so windy like I couldn't cast from the back of the boat, the way the boat was positioned, and we were just getting drifting off. He had like one cast, one or two casts he could just make in there. Just one cast, <laughs> just one cast. Hey, it's all it takes. One but, cast. But but I I will before we move on, I will say this: when we were down in Toho, uh, what is that typing noise? Uh, <laughs> me typing. I'm updating. Something. I'm you can kidding. can you guys hear me all right? I put a mic. No, we we can hear you perfectly. Okay. We can hear every keystroke. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, uh, I will say like when we were down in Toho, like Mike and I developed a plan and we followed that plan. We didn't come in first by any means, but we, we had a good limit. And I know talking to him before he even came up to Lake Norman, he's like, I'm going to run the river. I'm going to fish for largemouth." And there's something about like sticking to your plan. You may not win, but it's super fulfilling when you stick to your plan and you bring five to the scales, man. Like it, do they don't have to be the biggest, but it is a great feeling when your plan works out. You know what I mean? So I give you those it, kudos, Mike. And I don't, I don't know if he wants to give us away. He can comment, but what he caught his fish on was one, one, one bait. And he only had two of them in the boat. And he sent me a picture over Christmas and I think he bought every single one from tackle. Warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, I think he sent me a picture yesterday of what he was throwing. And I won't let the juice out because I actually had him in the boat too. And I don't ever throw him. So, but, uh, Pete, you got anything on that before we move on, bro? Yeah. Let me unmute my mic. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was good, man. <laughs> I, I don't mind that they beat us. They ran up the river. They had a plan. Um, and then, I had a tournament uh, the day after, and I actually caught. I had two tournament, like tournament two days after Saturday, Sunday, a two day, uh, and I caught a keeper off that dock both days. So that dock stayed hot uh, for uh, for most of that weekend. But um, that was a lot of fun. Mike and Ben, you know, they might have got us that time, but but there'll be more. We'll, we'll get that one back. I have no doubt. <laughs> That's right, hundred percent. We're gonna we're gonna try to challenge Mike down in his home bodies of water too. I think uh, Okeechobee's on the. Uh, horizon for some of us potentially so i don't know we'll see um let's I gotta jump pull up the post because I, I gotta respond to to somebody ask a question will boswell i don't know if will's on or not but uh we talk we talk a lot about my affinity for baits and uh the the hangover from six cents six six cents went uh live uh i think it was yesterday morning so he asked how many i bought uh, and I'll let everybody know that I did buy eight of those uh, in various sizes and sink <laughs> rates. Uh, so I'm going to give them the old college try. I talked to some folks that got to test them. Uh, and it sounds like they do a lot of stuff a little bit better than the mag draft does. So uh, I love throwing a mag draft. So if they're, if they're improve on some of that, then uh, I have no problem, you know, buying a bunch, but uh, wanted to make sure I got different sink rates and stuff. So I'm sure Trey and Ben will end up with one. Cause I usually, uh, usually pass a few of those around when I get stuff like that for everybody to try out. But, um, yeah, that's, yeah. uh, I, I, I saw them post that today. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of their baits. I, I, I mean, there's certain baits of theirs that I really enjoy. Um, but I can, I'll be honest with the crowd. Like I've, I've never caught a fish on a mag draft partially because I just don't throw it. Like I haven't had the need to throw it. And I think there's certain lakes that it works better on than, than others. And I'm not saying it doesn't work on ours cause it definitely does, but, um, it's kind of like forward facing sonar. Like I haven't had, I didn't have the need for it for two years and now I need it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, just, uh, real quick before the next yeah. topic, I just want to, we got a bunch of people. So, uh, what's up uh, to everybody that said hi? I saw Steven and Stephanie, Zach, uh, Scott. What's up, buddy? Uh, he'll be Raleigh in East Tennessee. I know you guys say that he'll be with Cash at those shows. So uh, make sure if you're you're at any of the shows that we've mentioned, you swing by and and uh, say what's up to them. Uh, Rob Sumney, uh, Dave Richardson over on YouTube, uh, and then there's a few others who I have to look up who they were. But appreciate y'all jumping on and joining. And uh, yeah, so. Um, Caney Lake in Louisiana just had the biggest five fish stringer caught, forty eight pounds six ounce with a thirteen five ounce kicker. It became the state record. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's a big fish lake, isn't that? Yeah, I don't remember. That's where Randy Howell caught his ten pounder. What two years ago with the MLF? Didn't he yeah, catch a nine and a ten like on back to back days? He broke his PB like back to back days, didn't he? Yeah, I don't remember exactly which because they were fishing three lakes down there, mm -hmm. but in one of those, he was fishing. Was, so there's a lot bus, of big fish. Bussy break, bussy break or bussy break, however you say it, and Caney break. I think they were fishing both of those yeah. um, bodies of water. Well, they and were fishing. Uh, Arborn, however you say it. Uh, Darborn, yeah. Darborn. <laughs> we need someone from Louisiana. Darbon. We, need, we yeah. need Dustin Connell to say right. Somebody, somebody tell us how we say that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right, what's the uh, – what do we got here, Trey? All right, so we we have a whole bunch of comments, but we'll we'll, we'll dive into a few. Um, who's uh, who's chasing their personal best this year, Mike? I, I feel like everybody chases their personal best every year. Um, I know that for me, um, I'm still trying to break nine six. So for all of you Florida guys and gals that catch ten pounders on the reg, like that's not the case up here. Um, but there is a lake that you can do that on up here in, in North Carolina, and that's Jordan Lake. So, um, yeah, I am chasing my personal best this year. Are you? I'm always chasing. I got to bring 815. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Hey, Tony. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm chasing it too. I think I think like Trey said, you're always looking for that big bite. Um, I do plan to focus more this year on throwing throwing big baits. My old man said it was bananas. I think he was talking about Norman. <laughs> Well, it was definitely the bananas that somebody put in my vote. Uh, it was the bananas, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I want to concentrate more on throwing some of those bigger baits this year um, more frequently. Not maybe not necessarily in tournaments, uh, but when I'm when I'm fun fishing and practicing and stuff. Uh, so I'm hoping to to beat that that PB for sure. You, you know, that's something I have done the last few years. Because um, like years ago, I used to fish shaky heads you drop shots all the time yeah but now i'm usually throwing bigger baits jigs swim baits yeah you know that sort of you know looking for that bigger bite big crank baits and all yeah i i think i think to to kind of go back to that question um if if it was the difference between a personal best and being consistent in the 2024 tournament season i'd take the tournament season over the pb um, just to, to kind of like differentiate a little bit. So to answer your question, Mike, uh, I would, I'm going to focus more on being consistent during the 2024 tournament season. Now, 
if a PB comes up during practice or during the tournament, that's 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 a bonus right there. I mean, that, that's the question I always ask people. You're pre-fishing. It's a spawning event. You see your PB on a bed on practice. It's, are you sticking it? I'm sticking it. I, I'm 100% Because it may it. not be there tomorrow. I have seen too many times the next morning those fish are gone. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a tough one. I I probably am not going to stick it if it's going to be the next morning, but oh, it really yeah, depends then. on it depends on how she's acting there. I mean, there's a lot yeah. that goes into it. If she's locked on the bed, I'm probably going to stick her because you know, you know, she's going to finish up probably that night and be gone. Um, mm. But if she's uh, if she's not locked on the bed and she's doing those kind of big circles and not on there, then I'm probably going to leave her for the next day and not really mess with her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is all fishuational, but still, yeah. like, it'd be really hard for me to look at something, you know, and, and I'm not a great judge of how big they are because uh, how do you tell, a, you know, a, an eight-pounder from a, from a ten-pounder in the water? They look very close, right? Yeah. Um, at least in my eyes, they do. There's other people that are way better at it than I am, but if I jacked one and it was like eight and a half pounds, I'd be pretty upset because I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't be upset, but I'd be like, well, it's not my PB and I could have saved it for the tournament tomorrow. But like Pete said, if it is locked on and we have, you know, good moon phase and good warm weather and, and, or the following uh, weather is good. Uh, there is a chance that she moves off that bed at nighttime or, or the following morning. So, you know, it's a gamble, right? All right. Uh, who, who's your favorite to win? And, and Mike said the elites, who's your favorite to win? I'm going to, I'm going to go with a classic this year. Who's your favorite Pete? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, somebody who's fishing their first one and who I think is going to do pretty well. And I'm happy to be wearing his shirt that I got for Christmas. Uh, I think Milliken uh, got a chance down there, man. It's a, it's a body of water that fishes like a lot of lakes. He's got a lot of experience on uh, and, and he knows, the guy catches big fish like him hate him whatever uh, i know he's kind of a polarizing character uh, I, I think he's got a really good shot to win the classic down there this year so uh, okay. that that's kind of who i'm pulling for i think it'd be cool to see a guy fish you know fishing for the first time qualified through the opens pull it off uh, but there's a lot of local guys down there somebody i just saw put jason christie you know it's, it's gonna be a tough one but i'm gonna go with ben i think he's gonna i think he's gonna put the big weights the big baits to work uh, at the classic this year and, and uh, put on a show for everybody. Okay. What about you, Ben? Ask me after practice round. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it's setting up. I mean, to be honest, I, uh, I'd have to go through the roster and look, okay. Uh, knowing that time of year or so, but yeah, I mean, Milliken's a great choice. Christie. I mean, all those guys, I mean, that anyone has a chance in that and that three sure. day derby. So Steph said Tyler Williams. Yeah. He's another one. Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, I think we talked about this in the past, but I'm, I'm going to go with either Luke Palmer or Kyle Welcher. Um, Kyle's definitely do. Uh, Kyle's definitely do. Um, his, his attitude is just hyper-focused, but so is Luke Palmer's. So he gets a little bit more frustrated. Uh, he's more colorful uh, when it comes to, you know, wearing his emotions on his sleeve, but he's a really good angler. And I think he has a lot of experience down there. Schmitty. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Brian Schmidt, that'd be awesome yeah. to see him yeah. too. Was that Mike that said I'm going to do a Rod Reel combo, whoever gets closest to me each league? All right, there you go. Everyone, that's a Rod and Reel combo for everybody, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about for, for our followers, Mike, or just for us? Mike's like, Mike's like, I'm getting a Barbie, 
fishing pole combo for for who gets the closest to the classic win. That means you, Mike. You got to put it on here, um, Mike. I I don't have a uh, a, a a red quest a red crest uh, champion. I have no idea who, who's fishing it. KVD. I would love to see KVD. KVD KVD is gonna fish it uh, in theory, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know for for red crest. Pete, do you have any guesses on that one? Um, I don't know who's fishing Red Crest. Where so, Where is Red Crest? It's on Lay Lake. Yeah, Lay Lake, I believe. Yeah, it's that, down there in Birmingham. Then I'm gonna I'll go, I'll go with Dustin Connell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coos, yeah, yeah. He's a Coosa River boy, yeah. so he's a Coosa River boy. I'm, yep. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go because I don't know, but I know he's fishing. I'm gonna go with Jacob Wheeler. Okay. All right. He's a guy that's got a lot of experience down there and uh, probably can, probably can, well, not probably. We know he can catch fish. So, all right. Well, uh, since, since we're shooting for a rod and reel combo, we got Dustin Connell. Uh, who'd you say? You said Drake, Jacob Wheeler and KBD. Let's, and KBD. There you go, yeah. Mike. There you I go. Hope I hope it's KBD. <laughs> I hope it's KBD too. <laughs> that would be some, you, Stephanie said redemption. That would be some serious redemption Just right go there. Out on top. Yeah. All right. And then the uh, MPFL. Uh, down at uh, Lake Amistad, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Uh, I want Corbishley. Uh, dang it! Uh, that's who I was <laughs> gonna say. I mean, I mean, he, he's a little. I mean, he's yeah. right up the road. Of course, we're all gonna sail. I I mean, it's man. I I don't know if any of them have experience on Amistad, so it's really anybody's game. But there's only 25 of them fishing it. Um, so is Patrick going down? Patrick's qualified for it. I don't know if he's going down, but he's qualified for it. Um, you know, between Corbishley, Palmer, Hunter Bogman, uh, Will Harkins. I'm I mean, going, I'm saying Todd Goad. Okay. Yeah. Todd Goad for, I okay. think Todd does have a little experience down there and it, it might okay. give him a little bit of an edge. All right. All right. Well, all right. Todd Goad. Who'd you say? Corbishley? Is that who you're going to say too? No, you can say it. That's fine. Uh, I I'm going to, I can pick somebody else. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Hunter Bogman, dude. All right. Let's see, let's see, let's see what happens. That would be awesome. All right, that's gonna be awesome no matter who wins. You know that if y'all haven't listened to our episodes with with Paul and Brad with the MPFL and and you know what they've gone through forming the league and the the growing pains and having to cancel their first championship, like there, there's a lot of emotion and and stuff behind this one, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun no matter who wins. I'm I'm excited to see what they do for for the anglers and everybody down there. Um, yeah, it's gonna so, be good. It's gonna be awesome. I'm still I'm still waiting, getting excited for their roster. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that they still haven't published that, have they? Uh I haven't seen it now. I didn't I I haven't really I've been kind of unplugged this week, so I haven't really looked. But I I checked probably three or four days ago on their website, didn't see anything. So if it's popped up since and well, we'll it's, see. It's the holidays. We're not. We're kind of plugged out sometimes. Tuned out. <laughs> Regardless, there will be. Okay, so January first will be. I don't know who That's said that. That's when they're going to drop their roster. All right, awesome. Thank you, Facebook user. I don't know who said that. <laughs> I got to no, post it's... the instructions up for everybody on uh, on that on how to get that, so it doesn't do that. All I'll right, do that cool. this week. Awesome. Appreciate you guys jumping in. Uh, so let's move on to the next topic. So we got somebody who said Jonathan Williams. He said just talk fishing. We're definitely going to talk fishing. We're doing it right now. Um, hey Pete, how many? Uh, uh, yeah, you got the hangover thing. Um, how to be a hammer on your local lake? What's the approach from Steve? Uh, Only anybody? fish that lake. Well, here's what I'll tell you: 
go sink your own brush piles and dump crawdads on them before the tournament. Yep. So yeah, I just said people do that. That totally went right over my head for a second. So, so, so yes to all, uh, sink your own brush piles, fish as many, uh, days on that body of water and only stick to that body of water uh fish as many uh wildcat tournaments if that lake has it um or pay attention to tournament results um and you know pay attention to the crappie fishermen uh that are targeting the bait fish that your bass are eating um take a casting net out there and 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 try to catch your own shad and check check out what they look like and how big they typically are at different it, times of year i mean it's it's, it's it all it comes down take, to yeah elbow grease and time yeah. of the water i mean that's the cliche but that's what i mean if you look like let's take the pbc the piedmont bass classic which is kind of a re would you call it a regional trail they fish like five or six yeah. different lakes yeah, yeah. they're regional yeah. Well, well the guys here in raleigh who fished falls jordan and harris you always see the same guys the same teams right up at the top those yep. same guys go up to car or Gaston. It's the Gaston and car local guys who are yep. at the top because they've spent 30 years fishing almost every day. And it's that, it's that little details. Um, I guess a good analogy, um, antidote would be, so I, I think it was last year. Was it last year that Bassmasters were at Okeechobee or two years ago? Uh, that was last year. That was last year. Yeah. That was the first term. So because yeah. it was flooded, uh, Roland Martin came on stage and it was like, this lake is fishing. Like it was, exactly 30 years ago mm -hmm. and it's just it's just being able to see there's minor differences and then obviously when you're spending that much time on the water you might find a special hidden away places that and most people probably would not look there's no hidden yeah. spots really on lakes anymore yeah but there's more out of the it's, way spots that get less pressure it's it's time it's time man because like yep. if you talk i'm gonna use mike mike i'm sorry for throwing out the butt corbishly you know, I talked to him a bunch about falls because he's really he's really good on falls. Like we all know that he basically wins everything. He fishes on that lake, but um, you know, we talked about stuff and and he talk he talks about spots that everybody fishes, but they all fish with their boat positioned a certain way. But if you position your boat the way he positions it, it's the difference between catching a three and a half pounder and a six pounder off of that rock pile. Uh, it, so and that's stuff that you only learn through that time mm -hmm. on the water it's spending it you know he spent every minute he had through college and and even now like when he gets a you know a couple hours if he can run out even though he's probably graphed every inch of that lake he still runs out there and graphs and puts waypoints out and finds those those rock piles or those brush piles or or those types of things so it's really about time on the water and then figuring out boat position and and all of that kind of stuff because we we've said it how many times you can't catch another man's fish like we could give you everything. We could, I could send you waypoints, and there's a good chance you can go fish stuff that I catch fish on, and you may not catch them because you might not have your boat positioned right. It might be a specific cast you need to make. Um, you know, Trey got to see it on one of the spots on Jordan. I fished. Well, we fished when him and I fished it. You know, it was like, hey, you got to get your boat somewhere right around here, and you got to throw this way. Uh, and we were in his boat, so I didn't have, but in my boat, I have the waypoint mark. So I just roll up to the waypoint spot lock because I know that's where I need to be. Um, so it's, it's uh, big time just, just spending time on the water and figuring out those little intricacies of, of the lake that you're fishing and that you want to, you know, that you want to be your local hammer or, or whatever you want to call it on. Um, yeah. So like, like Ben brought up Piedmont, you don't see guys that go out and dominate on every single local lake. Like it's, 
that's just a lot of information you would have to have in a lot of different bodies of water you have to spend a lot of time on. So uh, if you have a local lake and you want to be that guy, spend the time is, is the best advice I could give. And that that's every chance you get be out there. Yeah. And you get a lot of the, you, you get, I hear a lot of people trash talk like professional anglers, like, Oh, if they came here, I could beat them. Well, you should be able to beat them. Like you, they, they go to an area that they don't live at. And, you know, and that's what you saw with the, with the, uh, the EQs this year on, on Bugs Island, a local won that. Right. Um, and there's good reason. Like, uh, he's probably spent 365 days a year at some point on that body of water fishing every single condition, uh, that had, had to offer, right. Every wind direction, rainy, sunny. Well, and he, he said that I think after day two, because everything was changing because we had all that rain and stuff before. And he said, they said, how do you feel going in the next two days? And he was like, I feel really good because I know right where these fish are going and none of these other boys do. Like yep. he knew, he knew because of exactly what you said. Yep. So just learning your lake, learning everything you possibly can probably doesn't hurt to be retired and not have a job yeah. and be out there <laughs> or, every self-employed. Day. Self-employed. or self-employed, whatever yeah. the case may be. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole, but I think it's just, it's time and actually, and then I think the, the last thing I'll say on it is you don't always have to fish to learn. Um, and, and it's like you talked about with Corbishly, you know, sometimes just empty your boat out and go out there and look around because we're, we're all creatures of habit. Uh, and I catch myself doing it on Sharon Harris all the time. I just want to go out there and catch fish. That's easy. I can go catch fish, but maybe I'm overlooking something where more, you know, quality is at, or they change your behavior pattern or something. So hey, Slay, right. Nation, Slay Nation tournament fishing over on Instagram said, great job on the podcast, fellas. Always listening to your episodes. Appreciate that. Slay Nation. Awesome. awesome. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate I like you, that name. Uh, Slay Nation. That's that's dope, dude. Slay Nation. All right, what's the next one you guys want to talk about? Uh, Tony asked a question: How was the about the cheating scandal on stage five of the MLF? Um, that was um, which one was that? That was the uh, multiple lie detector. Yeah, yeah. Cayuga. Uh, there was you know a bunch of bunch of accusations. I, Tony, I think that I think that the the MLF and BPT hurt themselves a little bit because of the way they handled that. Um, I, you know, they, I, I understand they fell back to the, the lie detector test polygraph, uh, and only one of the guys failed that. Uh, unfortunately there was video that, that showed otherwise. And uh, I feel like they should have, uh, they should have held people more accountable and that I'm not going to get into it too much, but I feel like they, they hurt themselves uh, and their, their credibility. And I know a few guys that left this year um, to go to go fish the opens um, have come out and said that that you know the uh, the changing rules and, and those things are part of the reason why they left. So that that's my yeah. opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know they should have they should have been a little bit harder uh, and, and handled the situation instead of kind of letting it linger. And then I felt they were a little bit soft on on how they punished it. But that's just me. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on that. I mean, it was blatantly obvious. Um, and you know what? I mean, everybody makes business decisions, and that was their business decision to like let it, uh, let it get out, get out there to the public. And the public's going to scrutinize you, man. Like any business in the world gets scrutinized by the public. So everyone, everyone's a critic. So, um, but yeah, uh, Eric, I think that was Eric that said that was definitely Eric. 
He said, I'm trying to, and so, Hey, listen, uh, for all y'all, for all y'all listen, uh, Eric with Mossy Oak properties. Um, he's a huge cat fishing, a cat fishing angler. Yeah. Chaos cat fishing is his, uh, social media handle that you, you can follow if you're interested in that uh, type of fishing, but we're definitely going to get Eric on here to talk cat fishing. I think Pete was trying to bring some other guys on too, but he said, I'm just trying to figure out where y'all are catching these bass so I can <laughs> use them for, for cut bait. It's funny too, because I've been catching a bunch of bass in the wintertime, Eric, that would be perfect for catfish cut bait, except for the fact that they're under the legal limit. So I can't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting world we live in. All right. Next one, uh, Lawrence Active Target. Pete and I both run Lawrence Active Target. Do you have yeah, Active I think Target? Jeff, Jeff has. Yeah, I have Active Target too, and you have you have the original one, right? Yeah, I'm OG. Um, I I don't. When did you switch from Hummingbird? Last year. Uh, last year. Yeah I, yeah, I switch all the time, man. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, I play. The only thing I don't switch is like my side imaging in this motor mapping. <laughs> Uh, but forward facing, like I like to, I like to experience everything that's out there. And, uh, so I had a, I had a 32 back in the day, you know, Garmin. I liked, and I went to Humminbird when they came out, uh, use that. And, uh, then I went to active target two after it was out. And then probably at some point in time, I'll end up with a 34. So, or whatever the next, the next best thing is. (laughs) Just keep giving me your hand-me-downs, bro. Appreciate it. Uh, so and I think Jeff just asked, um, or I don't know who it was. They just got there, so so give them some tips on it. So here, here's my number one tip with any electronic, especially forward-facing sonar, yeah, is Jeff. have good quality batteries that power them. Um, I know Pete's ran into issues in the past. He's dedicated a universal battery now yeah. to his active target. I run mine off uh, my cranking battery, but I also only run one graph at the bow, one graph at the console. Um, yeah. Uh, one, yeah. Bow and stern, just one graph and then one active target. So I don't run a lot of electronics. I absolutely uh, love the the capability of active target. Um, I, I let mine sit in the garage for about 15 to 18 months before I installed it uh, just to, just because I was lazy, I think. And, and honestly, I wanted to see the effects it would have, um, from other people using it, but I used it today to strictly target crappie. Um, it's a great tool. Uh, if you're catching to, to harvest, um, it's also a great tool. If you're trying to do reconnaissance on the lake, uh, I, I will say that, um, Jeff, uh, batteries, number one thing. And then, um, just getting out on the water and playing with like your settings and stuff, figuring out what's color pattern fits your eyes the best. Cause we're all different. Uh, that's why like I run orange side scan. I know some guys run like blue side scan, stuff like that. Um, change, change your, uh, sonar ping, uh, from low, medium and high to figure out what your return looks like because every one of these boats are set up differently. Um, and then, you know, when temperature changes, like, extreme cold temperature, extreme warm temperature. Uh, you may get different returns on your active yeah. target. So you're going to want to play with your settings um, to see what helps you. Like I dropped my side scan imaging down to 455 from 800 uh, to get better quality in the, in the winter time. Um, 
What else? Oh, here's a tip that I that I do on my active target. So where the transducer mounts to the trolling motor, or if you have an independent uh, shaft, um, put um, Teflon tape around the male end of the threads when you when you screw your uh, your your two locking screws in to 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 keep that clamp on your on on the post. Um, it helps it from not backing out. I know a lot of guys have lost their uh, their mounting screws. Um, which is definitely going to be a problem because then your four fishing sonar is going to bounce around and probably hit your blades and stuff. So Teflon tape around the male ends of the threads when you screw it in to, to lock it onto the shaft. Pete, what you got? Yeah, man. Uh, so I have the Active Target 2, not much different from the one. Uh, number one, clean power. Uh, make sure you are running. Don't tie it into a fuse block. Don't tie it into anything. Run straight from your battery to your active target. If you want to put a switch in, that's fine because that really doesn't cause any voltage drop. Uh, but voltage is is absolutely the most important thing if you want good returns. Um, and like Trey said, I had some issues. I run I run my electronics cranking. I run two two batteries for that because I run you know two graphs of the console. I run a ten inch with three sixty all day. Uh, and I had my forward facing on that and I had a bunch of issues with it. And so I've gone to a dedicated lithium um, that uh, the only thing connected to that is my forward facing and then the the graph that it's, you know, it's plugged into. And that was just to make sure I had clean power um, because it makes a huge difference with forward facing. Uh, and then trade pretty much nailed everything. You dedicate time to it. Don't try to learn it when you're pre-fishing for tournaments or during a tournament. Uh, now is a great time to do it uh, because you can watch some fish chase an A-rig. It's really easy to see an A-rig. Um, you can watch them, you know, crappie are great. That was when I, the first forward facing I got, that's what I did for about three weeks was went and chased crappie with it just because you, you know, it's easy to watch them eat it. You can flip that jig or whatever you want to throw down to them. There's a bunch of fish. You can see how they eat. Um, you can, the, the, you know, there is a delay with it, regards to what it says. Uh, when you see that fish eat between, when you see the fish come to your bait, eat it, feel it, and set the hook, it's not all in time, right? So don't just rely on what you're seeing on the screen because a lot of times they'll shoot up to that bait and you're like, he ate it, and you'll set the hook before you feel them and you end up missing them. You got to make sure you let them hit, eat it. Um, it's just little things like that, spending time, um, making sure that you uh, making sure that you understand, you know, what you're seeing and all that, differentiate between species. Uh, is a big one. Uh, I'm not the best. I, I can tell the difference between a two-pound and a six-pound bass, but somebody telling you they can tell the difference between a four and a six is probably lying to you. Um, <laughs> that You know, they look pretty similar. Catfish and gar are pretty obvious when you see them. Gar, gar is very obvious. Unless they're those little, you know, cat, catfish that will school they up. They're a little bit tougher, but when you see a big old catfish, it's pretty obvious what you're looking at. Uh and then, you know, crappie, a bunch of, a big school of crappie can look like a big school of crappie and three pound bass mixed into it. You can't tell the difference between a, a crappie That's and a, a three fact. pound bass. Uh, just, the, you know, the returns on a crappie because, of, you know, how their size, you know, a bass is skinnier, but the returns look similar just based on the, you know, the way that sonar works. So um, just time, 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 spend time with it. And if you want, if you want to get really good with it. Uh, that's what it takes. And I'm by no means good with it. I spent more time last year, you know, trying to get better with it. Uh, I know Trey's making a concentrated effort to, to, to use it a bit more and try to get better with it because it does make a difference in some cases. Um, but that, that would be my biggest advice. And you're going to love it, man. And no matter what forward facing you're using, 
um, they all work. I, I don't get into yeah. the into the debates. You know, I caught fish just as good with my hummingbird as I did with my Garmin, as I do with my Lowrance. They all show fish. Uh, when you get them set right, they all show your bait, uh, and they all show cover. So they do, you know, what they're designed to do. Uh, we get yeah, too man. caught get too caught up in being able to count the scales on a shad's ass. I think with your <laughs> forward facing, uh, when really all you need to do is be able to tell that there's fish there, uh, and and if they're eating or not. <laughs> It's, it's like it's like playstation versus xbox man like they all play video games you know at the at, but at the end of the day and then if you just got it like go out and uh you know the best thing to start on is like a bridge and then like look at bridge pylons and or if you know where brush piles and stuff are at so it'll be good time man you'll, you'll have a, you're gonna get super frustrated if you've never had forward facing sonar before because it absolutely does not make the fish bite and the last thing i'll say on it is know when to turn it off know when to turn it off um and that's that's a yeah. big thing so ben you got anything on forward facing sonar no i mean you you guys cover it all awesome pete what's no, next uh, you got it pulled up bro all right so i hit mics i hit uh what rodney said for we talked about forward facing sonar do you think it will deplete the population of fish mm. too much he nope. says no as long as they anglers allow the fish to spawn during the spring time frame without uh having bass tournaments fish during that period all right ben i so no one really knows right now what is going to happen they're going to have to do it's going to take a decade or two for these state agencies to do a lot of if there are if, if and if they haven't started it's going to take longer do surveys and you have to use statistical analysis we reference with before Life scope because all these lakes fluctuate in and out. When we had yep. Corey on from um, uh, North Carolina Fish and Wildlife, um, he's one of the uh, state biologists. Like he said, if you look at Jordan Lake and you go back and look at all the surveys all the way back to like the late seventies and eighties, the, the 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 fish, the bass, the size, the the quantity have remained stable this entire time, and and that's one specific body of water. All lakes are different. Um, and we, we know what's going on at Harris and the grass kill and all that stuff. So yeah, it's going to take a long time to really figure it out um, because there's, there's arguments on all sides of it because we're targeting fish that were probably already there that we never targeted before. So maybe some of the other fish are getting less pressured. The fish are adapting. They're going to figure out ways mm -hmm. to, uh, to run and hide. So, I mean, it's, it's going to, it's going to take a while. I don't think anyone really knows what the answer is. No. I, I'll give you my opinion, semi-educated opinion, uh, with some guesstimations in there. I don't think it's going to have an effect on our fisheries as far as populations go. Uh, our, you know, crop, crappie guys have been using forward-facing sonar for 10, 15 years now. Haven't seen an impact to, to populations. Um, this is the same argument we see anytime new technology comes out that helps us fish. Uh, our tools that we can use, so the same shit. Pardon my language. The same stuff was said um, <laughs> when I get a little lax when I'm at the house. Uh, the same stuff was said, uh, you know, when when side imaging came out, they talked about how we were going to we were going to decimate fish populations. Right. We were going to find all those fish offshore. They got nowhere to hide now. That, that's been how long and it hasn't it hasn't decimated fish populations. Um, as, as long as as long as we're doing our part as anglers to ensure that those fish survive. Uh, and I, I, I understand where he was coming from with the spring and the spawn tournaments. You know, I love fishing spawn tournaments and jacking them off a of bed. 
I don't, we've been doing that for how many years now? 50 years. People have been fishing spawn tournaments uh, and it hasn't impacted, you know, fisheries to, to a point where they're, they're dying. Uh, I think we just need to do our due diligence to take care of fish, make sure that, that we're, we're putting fish back alive. We're not killing fish uh, in tournaments that don't need to be killed because of ignorance. Uh, and I'm not saying anybody's ignorant. What I'm saying is make sure you know how to fizz a fish, you know, understand, um, if a fish is is hooked deep, you know what you can do. There are ways you can you can potentially save that fish's life. Uh, you know all of those things. Just understanding fish care is is a big part of of what we need to do. Uh, you, and then, you, you know, you, you meant you were talking about that, and I don't know why this came to my mind, but I read um, some articles. It's been maybe a year or two, um, but they they were citing some studies that actually catch way catch and release fishing has hurt. The population, mm-hmm. at least size-wise, more than before when they could hold right. it out. Now, back in the day, when you could take twenty out and people were over har- harvesting, that's a little different issue. But uh, now, like no one really harvests anymore. Right. So Corey, I, Corey I, talked about that a little bit when he came yeah. out with us. Yeah, he did. Know? Yeah. Because people aren't keeping bass anymore because oh, okay, you got to catch and release. You know, now our our lakes are becoming overpopulated. Fish are getting stunted, so you're you know they're not they don't have the opportunity to grow as large as they do. You know harvesting fish bass included is is a key part of of conservation and and keeping fisheries healthy so you know some tournament kill is going to happen uh it happened regardless of what mlf or any organization that does the catchway relief will try to tell you they their mortality rate if you look at actual studies done is almost the exact same as the mortality rate for basses uh tournaments whenever they catch away you know catch take them to weigh in and release them Uh, fish are gonna die they might swim away and look perfectly fine. And then 24 hours that, you know, they die uh, from being caught in stress, whatever it is. So it's one of those things that happens. Um, but no, fish but... care is number one. And I think we'll, we're probably going to get somebody on a few folks on that are really well versed uh, in fish care for tournament fishing uh, and go through the seasons. And actually I just see somebody made a comment, great topic to cover best way to keep fish alive, different times of the year. Yeah, I think we're going to have some experts in the in it come on, uh, and we're going to uh, to go into this a little bit deeper because I I know it's something that we all care about deeply. Um, yeah. And I had a rant during an episode because of a bunch of fish killed in a tournament because of guys not knowing how to how to fizz their fish, and and it was a bunch of fish that didn't need to die. So um, that that's my thoughts on forward facing and its impacts on fisheries, and then it lead led into like ten other things. When, when, <laughs> when, when you drop when you drop forward facing sonar into the water you you find out very quickly how many fish live right underneath your boat um yeah. it's it's truly amazing to see um and and this is different you know all over the the country i'm sure but at least here in the carolinas like we're not short on fish population um but it does it will change their behavior mm-hmm. like that's just gonna be it's just gonna happen i've, I've already witnessed it uh, myself, I, I know Stephanie Pellerin when she was uh, down at Lake Lanier, she witnessed uh, fish behavior due to forward-facing sonar. Um, so it, it's going to change the behavior of the fish. But you know, in all honesty, uh, these aren't the things that are really depleting. So you know, I challenge you guys to go back and listen to that episode with with Corey. Um, it, it has to do more with like you know the watershed and mm-hmm. natural resources surrounding your lakes uh, that aren't allowing nutrients and stuff to flow into the lakes to allow the bait fish to f- eat and grow and allow the predator fish to eat the bait fish. There's a lot of other 
contributing factors to deplete depletion of resources, uh, it's definitely not forward-facing sonar, at least not right now. I mean, <laughs> we, that's a great yeah. point. When you look at on the scheme of things, like that is something we as anglers kind of control because it's a technology we use. But when you, when you look at what it, it affects a fishery, like forage, vegetation, all the cover and stuff, and you think about floods and and development, changing the runoff system and how that affects nutrients coming in. And, 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 and there's a lot of other factors, yeah. way more important factors yeah. at play than us using forward-facing sonar. A hundred percent. Now, if you were to ask the question, we, maybe we'll dive into it on the next episode, but if you're asked the question, how many forward-facing sonar units do you think should be allowed in a tournament? Everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. And I know I have mine. Um, what's that? What was that question? Uh, can you scroll up real quick? Alicon said, what are your opinions on stocking F1 hybrid bass on NC lakes? Uh, great question. Uh, I posted the link uh, to in our, in our chats to that episode with uh, Corey, where we talk about that. Uh, I'll, I'm going to give a quick overview of mine, let you guys talk. I was against it at first because I didn't understand the purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Corey came on and, and uh, he enlightened us into why and how, uh, I think it's a great idea. And I, I, you know, I ended up donating money to, uh, to that, they, you know, because they were doing the match deal. Um, I, I know Ben did, and I think Trey donated some money. So, uh, Alcon, if you're still on and listening, I think it's great. Uh, it's going to let us know what we can do to make our fisheries better uh, and to improve the fishing uh, for future generations. So go check that episode out if you want a more scientific uh, explanation. Pete's spot on because when I first heard it, okay, I get Norman. Why are we, why are we stocking Jordan? That's Jordan's such got so many big fish. Um, and ultimately it's a test bed to see how these different fish will right. Cause the Norman nutrient level is basically there is not compared to Jordan. You know, we know how nutrient rich right. Jordan is. Right. And so they're just trying to compare how these fish are going to differ. And and he was explaining like pretty much any large mouth in the lake already have some F1 genes in them because mm-hmm. of just the way fish have been moved around over the years. So, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how the test goes. And I don't remember how long they were going to do that and when they were going to um, be they're going to go. They're going to do the stocking was over five years. Yeah, you know, it was planned for five years, and then, you know, he said by the time they get to that fifth year, those first year F ones will be at a size where they can, you know, through their shock studies and stuff, determine uh, the effectiveness that first year, and then they can they can continue to track. So it's going to be a long process, but the, I think the stocking was, a, was five years. I think there was a huge misconception. I know I I thought it was to control or eliminate the spotted bass, uh, population. That is not the reason. Uh, so, um, just so everyone is aware, like the, you know, the Alabama spotted bass are in North Carolina waters and, and check out the episode. Cause we talk heavily about that. So, yeah. um, uh, what's next? So the best bait to use in 50 degree water, two foot visibility and Rocky, Rocky, uh, anyway, probably gonna throw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably gonna, I'm what, probably going to throw for, a square bill or what, something like that. What species? <laughs> I'm guessing bass. No, no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If 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 I'm if I'm searching, I'm going to be throwing a rock crawler or wiggle wart, something yeah. like that, around a rock. Yeah. Um, try to find a D- concentration of fish, and then I'll I'll go. I'll you know then I'll mix it up from there. Deeper, shallow. He said is, two foot visibility. Two, in rock. He didn't say how deep. So. Yeah, if we're shallow, then I'm gonna go with a with a crankbait or or you know uh, a spinner bait, slow rolling it with some sort of chartreuse or darker pattern on it. If we're going deep and it's 
that dirty, um, I don't know if I'm going to catch anything. So I don't know, two feet of visibility. You still catch them. I mean, Harris was pretty murky today and I was still using a blade bait and a Demiki rig, uh, to catch them. So it's just playing around with the fish. If you can see them playing around with their behavior and seeing what they want, but yeah. that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, you only have a few options or no, you don't have a few options. You got options, but, um, yeah, cold water, man. Slow cold down. Water changes or, everything. Yeah, cold water. Slow down and oh. just pick it apart. Jerk bait too is a great jerk bait. Yeah, if there's that's for that's for shallow or deep in that yeah. type of condition. Uh, ten to fifteen foot rocky water, two foot. I'm throwing an A rig, fifty degree. I'm just gonna slow roll that joker. I'm gonna put a bunch of vibration and stuff out there in the water, and that that's what I'm probably gonna do. Yeah. I'm going to throw an A-Rig to start off with, especially if you can get some standoff, if you see fish or know where they're at. Um, and then if, they, if they're if they not moving and they're just static or they're, you know, a lot of times, Tony, they're laying on the bottom, as you know, just buried in the mud or against the rocks and you can't see them on any sort of sonar. So if you don't have forward-facing sonar, I'm going to slow roll an A-Rig. If I get bit, then I'm going to keep throwing the A-Rig. And then if I know exactly where they're at and I don't have forward-facing sonar, I'll throw a marker buoy down and then I'll vertically fish for them. Word. All right. Uh, you know, Rodney I, said, I lost, I lost a, I lost a Fritz side nine yesterday, Tony. I wasn't very happy about it. I lost it in like freaking five foot of water. So, and those are expensive crankbaits. But they work. But they work. They, yes, yeah. they do. I, I will still go shallow uh in the winter time if there's been sunshine in warmer weather for a few days um to see if anything has moved up feeding on you know anything uh yeah. but but you can always catch them deep you can always catch them deep it does not matter uh, rodney made the comment tournament organization needs to weigh the fish insulin release fast live while stress fish too much uh need to re be released their home territory yeah that that's a tough one because studies don't indicate that that's any benefit. Uh, the fish kill with bigger organizations are, are pretty much the same. Uh, when you start talking about smaller organizations, clubs and things like that, regional tournaments, it would be impossible for them to do that. Uh, you'd have to have a marshal or somebody in every boat. You can't take people's words for it because when there's money involved, unfortunately, people will take advantage of, of the situation and cheat. So the only uh, unfortunately, way Okay. Well, the only, the only way they can get a, away with, you know, on the boater side uh, is doing it like the kayakers do it. Um, yeah, go by inches you know, instead of weight. Yeah, go, go by inches and stuff. And I know there are some clubs that do that. Um, but, like, from the big side of the house or tradition, like, no one's ever going to do that because it doesn't make for good entertainment. We've already seen that with the BPT. They don't have fans there. There's nobody selling merchandise, stuff like that. So from a business perspective, um, I don't think other big organizations are going to do that. That's just my opinion on it. But I don't know if it would be good or bad. I mean, we'd have to get a biologist on, but I don't. I don't. Well, as Pete's mentioned earlier, like they're, they're, they're after they release, they have a very, like the major organizations have a very small mortality. Rate. Mortality. Rate. In fact, when we remember when we were talking to Brad and Paul. And I don't remember if this was on the last episode with them at Lanera, but you know, the the wildlife people were impressed with how well. Yeah, I think um, they lost like what six fish, maybe out five? of, what, <laughs> out of yeah. the entire tournament. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, and uh, a couple of those I think were probably gut hooked that there's nothing. Right? You, you know how that goes sometimes. Yeah. So so, and I it, and and you know, but home territory like 
these fish move all over the water. Yeah. I mean, they that that tracking survey they did in Toledo Bend, that one bass went so far it left the tracking zone yeah. for like a year and then it showed back up. Uh, they, so didn't they track a smallmouth that moved from Canadian waters into American waters that was like over I don't know, like 28 miles or something like that or vice mm -hmm. versa. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, there's everyone is entitled to their opinion on that deal, but um at the end of the day like there's a creel limit for a reason if 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 five fish are killed um it's it's no different than catching five of them and eating them you know and in fact yeah. it could be counterintuitive like we mentioned earlier who who made that comment um i think i did no 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 uh oh rodney um, rodney um yeah yeah okay it, oh, yeah, it yeah. could it could actually it could actually hurt our fisheries by like what pete said stunting the growth and then we're throwing back fish that you know, now there's more predator fish than there are bait fish. And so like the demand of competition is far higher. So, I mean, ultimately, I think if everyone is just, they're doing the best with the live well system, right. And they're, they're doing whatever they need to do to keep the fish alive. Right. So when they go back in the water, they have a chance. That's, that's really the best we can do. Yeah. Like yeah. let's not catch a bass and throw it in a live well on ice. Right. Like, like and expect to let that fish go live, right? It, right, and you have a fish that's belly up, fizz them, right? Yeah. It, it's it's do learn what you can do for fish care, do the best that you can, and then ultimately, yeah. like, I mean, we're going yeah, out. Tony, speaking, Tony, Alex fishes fish. ki kayak tournaments that they don't do weigh; they do by inches, so they measure their fish and release them. Oh, so I, I thought he, I thought he fishes boat tournaments too. No, he might, but if he does, he doesn't fish any of the. I mean, I know he fishes five fish in a live well boat tournaments because I've seen him weigh in. But I know he does he does uh, kayak tournaments too. I, I, there was something I was going to say about this. I can't remember. Oh, I mean, there are millions and millions of dollars being pumped into fish care. I mean, if you caught our episode earlier in the year talking about the fish lung, I think it was the ICAST mm -hmm. review. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's millions of dollars being pumped into the fish lung to help, uh, you know, create the the, the micro uh oxygen bubbles or whatever to help the fish like process oxygen faster or get oxygen there's a lot of effort going into fish care so um and, and to be honest if we were really concerned about as anglers we would stop having tournaments in the middle of august yeah yeah right? i mean in the, in the south yeah right yep that's why you don't see the, a lot of the professional organizations go there too the, the bags won't be as big it's not the spring but fish care is a lot harder i, I will say yeah. you know like if if it was that much of a concern, then biologists and the law would get. I, I would assume they would get involved, well, right? Well, they they would they would they would decrease the the, the creel limit, or they would create a slot limit, a like slot or whatever. Like, like you see it with Lake Fork, right? They follow the law when they when they go down to Lake Fork. The you know the slot limit there. Sharon Harris has a sixteen to twenty inch slot limit. Um, so I'm not saying that there wouldn't be a benefit to it. I just don't think that, um, I don't know how much of a positive impact it would have. I get it during the spawn, like not yanking, you know, all those fish off the bed. Um, I also get it during the, the summer days where it's really hard for, to keep fish alive in the live well. That's why you're buying ice or whatever the case may be. Um, but we've been doing it for a very, very, very long time. And unless somebody has a specific lake that is absolutely depleted because of the, tournament fishing, I, I'd, I'd like to know. You know, the, big, the, the easiest way to put it is there's a ton of studies on both ways and there's not enough scientific data that shows that catch weigh release is any better than putting them in a live well and take them to a live weigh in and then releasing them. 
there's the the fish mortality is almost exactly the same um, it, between both types of tournaments. So uh, and, until or unless something changes in that, uh, you're not going to see you're not going to see a shift because it's, we're not killing fish just because we're having catch catch and weight live weight tournaments versus catch weight release. Uh, and you can go. I'm not going to pull all those studies up. I've read a bunch of them. You can go Google them. A lot of universities have done them. Uh, a lot of people have done them for their PhDs and you know fishery biology and stuff uh, as part of their you know however whatever you do to get PhD. So go read the studies and and figure that out. But the the science doesn't support catchway release being any better than than live way in tournaments. The fish mortality is almost identical. I guess the last thing I'll say on it, if, if it was, if it, and, and it is everyone's opinion on this, but if, if it was, if it was actually destroying anything, then I don't think Bassmaster or the MPFL or any of those other major tournaments that do live weigh-ins would do them because it would be a PR nightmare for them and it would destroy yeah. their business. And, and think right? about it, like the catch and release was because of Bassmaster. Yeah. Like it's because bass fishing became such a big sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ray Scott was the pioneer for that. Right. So like, yeah. I mean, they still do, they, they were doing seven fish tournaments back in the day. And, and you know, there was a lot of dead, dead tournaments, dead I mean, tournaments. They had, they yeah. went, you know, yeah. if you get, what was, you got bonus points if there was a live fish. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got bonus, you got bonus points. If you had, uh, if one of your fish were alive, that's yeah. why I want to hang Parker's, um, classics he won because he had five live fish and, and got bonus points. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Zach asked best a rigs and go, there's only one a rig and that's a shame. Bates, mini blades of glory. You don't need anything else. <laughs> what size Kytex are you using? Uh, I don't just throw Kytex, but anything from two inch out there all the way up to a five or six inch just depends on what the fish are feeding on. So Steve asked, did you answer our hammer question? Yes, sir. We did. You'll have Steve, to you have to go back and listen, and listen next Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff wants to know when the first annual one cast tournament's going to happen. We've talked about it. Uh, there, there's logistics and planning and things need to happen. So uh, I don't know about 2024, but maybe 2025. We'll have to, we'll have to get together and talk about that one. It definitely won't be a January type situation either. We ain't doing that. So no, no, we'll we do, do it. February. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll do it when everyone can enjoy flip-flops and shorts. Exactly. Yeah, like not in the summer, though, because we're not going to kill a bunch of fish. Yeah, we can uh, do a catch, weight, and release. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody just buy a Bubba skill. That's um, right. Let's see. Are you going to have any new baits for 2024? Ben, I don't know. You got anything cooking? Uh, So we might have some, some additional plastics, or at least colors of plastics, too, over the course of the year. Uh, probably not any actual hard baits um i say that because because i'm ultimately we're trying to um find a way where we can produce a, a bunch of different baits but that requires getting machinery built and stuff so that's a long i mean that's that's the plan over the next year so that way hopefully 2025 2026 there'll be a lot of different uh new baits out it takes time yeah it takes time as a small business for sure i mean shoot what was it? Rapala just came out with their line of soft plastics this year, didn't they? Oh yeah, and they've been yeah. around forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, All what's their the next? original designs. Um, 
We got how many more we got? Let's do a couple more here. Yeah. Last one asked here in the live chat was electronics industry has changed. Anglers need to change, especially for survival of different fish. Until the science catches up, nothing's going to change, and that's that's really all we can say. So they'll they'll keep doing studies, and if science supports that that we need to make a change, a change will get get made. Um, I want to send two crankbaits. Tony said, "Tony, you have." Uh, you have my address. If you want to send them to us, we'll, we'll give them a try for sure. Absolutely. I appreciate the little care package. Again, you guys check out Tony. Um, Tony has his soft plastic company. He makes some some cool stuff. He sent me a, a little care package last week or the week before. Tony, so looking forward to getting out and trying them. I got to give Tony some kudos, man. The way he redid that boat. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. what, what brand of boat it is, but the way that you redid it was awesome, unique. There's probably not another person that has a boat like it. So great job on your boat dude um yeah electronics industry is changing the anglers need to change i think it's uh i think anglers are going to consistently change as electronics change i think uh i think the most important thing is is um we always refer to tournament anglers but you know uh it there, that's only like less than one percent of you know the population of people who fish so um there's a lot more recreational anglers out there and stuff that that you know impact the lakes as well so i think the best thing you can say to anybody is just educate yourself on everything fish care and conservation related uh to do the best job we can do to include picking up your garbage that you don't throw your line out your boat to all the things so um but i agree with you on that yeah awesome awesome. Cool, that, man. that was all the questions we have. So if anybody has any last minute ones, now's the time. We're just over an hour. Uh, I, I just want to, again, I know we said it at the beginning of Shaw's episode. Uh, I just want to thank everybody that's live with us now that's going to listen to this episode um, for the, the support over the last year. This this will officially release on just about the same day as our, our very first episode did, but it'll technically be our 53rd uh, because our first two episodes dropped the same week. Um, and then we went weekly after that. So uh, appreciate everybody's support jumping on these lives. We have a consistent group of folks that come on, ask questions. Uh, if you haven't yet, please like, comment, uh, subscribe, all of that stuff on, on whatever platform it is that you watch or listen to, uh, because it, it really helps us uh, metric wise. And, and it gives us, you know, things to show to partners that are, are interested in potentially working with us and things like that. Um and it also lets us know uh, if we're doing a good job or not, because if we're if we're not gaining or getting better, then we, we don't know. Uh, and that's the easiest way to track that. Uh, if you're not in our community on Facebook, just search the OneCast uh, community. That's our podcast community. We ask questions. We give sneak previews. Um, if you listen to our episode with Shaw, we ask some of our follower questions. We ask them a couple, like a, a week or so before if they have any questions. And then when we had Shaw on with us, we we went through and asked him a few of those questions. So you have an opportunity to ask some of these folks we have coming on, you know, questions. Um, and that's, you know, just want to say that it, it's uh, it blows me away. Uh, the support that y'all have showed us over the last year. I can't wait to see what 2024 brings us. Uh, happy, uh, happy new year to uh to all of our followers and to ben and trey who i can't be there and celebrate with but uh, we'll be back in the studio next week uh all together again and uh looking forward to to that so yeah that, I wanna, that's all i got i want to second what pete said um not i'm not going to say the same thing but you know uh i, I want to give a shout out to um 
you know, Alex and Paul at Bass and Brews podcast, Stephanie and Harvey at, you know, the Bass Hub, everyone that's helped us do cross uh, promotional marketing. We all are, you know, we're all small and we only get a, a, you know, a piece of the crust of the pie. But at the end of the day, it's all these small organizations and all the individuals that support everybody coming together. That's how we uh, continue doing what we're doing. And so I wanted to give those guys a shout out. And then every guest that we had uh, throughout the year has, has been absolutely amazing. Um, taking the time out of their day to either jump on a, a video call with us or actually drive down here. We've had a couple or a few um, in-house guests and stuff like that. So those guys and gals that we've had on are awesome. Um, and then lastly, I just, you know, these, uh, the MPFL, um, we got to know those guys really well uh, from their anglers to their owners, um, you know, to the staff that run the operations and stuff like that, which is not many of them. So I want to give a huge shout out to, uh, to Brad and Paul and the rest of the gang at the MPFL. They've been super welcoming and uh, I can't wait to uh, attend another event of theirs. So what you got, Ben? Yeah, it's, it's been a great year. Obviously, we, we couldn't do this without all the support from you all. I saw, I saw Tony made a comment up there. He stopped what he was doing tonight to watch. We definitely appreciate that. I, I guess we are riveting entertainment now, which is uh, <laughs> something I would have never expected uh, a year ago when we sat in here and uh, filmed our first episode. So it's been awesome. It's been an uh, awesome ride to, to meet the folks. Hopefully, you know, with, with our, our episodes, especially when we have guests on, we try to draw some, some of their background story and some of the information out of them. And kind of let them tell their story that maybe you don't always get on other episodes because, you know, we ultimately I think we like to know some of our idols yep. in the fishing world and get to know them. And so hopefully, you, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to get better each time. So as always, help us get better. You know, it's it's something that you all as as followers, supporters, fans, uh, whatever name you want to put on it. Uh, your engagement, your comments are, are essential and helps us get better and helps us provide content that that you all uh, actually want to consume, which is uh, ultimately why we try to do this. That's right. So who wants to uh, who's taking us out tonight? Pete, you got anything? I said what I need to say. All right, guys. Hey, 2023 is over. We're looking to to uh, spearhead 2024 and continuing to grow a culture of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. Thanks, guys. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Yeah. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.